Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult, number 14. What does that imply? There's been 13 other ones, Pastor Tom. That's right, hooked on Math Guy, you back there, uh, that we've already been through. I'm not going to list those because there's been too many. Go on the website. Number 14, we are on what? Witchcraft and the Rise of Wicca. And just by way of recap, because, hey, that's what we do here at Sunrise Bible Church. We've already seen the definition of uh, uh, Wicca is what? What's the word literally mean? Hello, witchcraft. <laughs> so they say, oh, it's not witchcraft. Yeah, it is. It's what I mean. Then we saw the types, okay? Then we saw the location. Then we saw the protection is who? Jesus, always the right answer in church services, typically. Uh, and history is what we've been on for quite some time. Now, we took a big, giant journey going around the world, and we saw it's everywhere, okay? And it's nothing new under the sun. Wicca is nothing new under the sun. It's the same old-fashioned occult behavior, witchcraft behavior, that started way back after the flood of Noah at the Tower of Babel. And then as God dispersed them, boy, unfortunately, did witchcraft and the occult go with them. We saw that it started there in Babylon, then it went to Egypt, then Greece, then Rome, Asia, India, the island countries. Africa, Latin America, Europe, and what we saw is Europe is where we get a lot of our so-called modern witchcraft, uh, i.e. relabeled and repackaged as Wicca from, okay, is what we saw there. So we began to take a look, all right, let's take a look where this modern version of witchcraft uh, that's based on old-fashioned witchcraft called Wicca, where did it come from? So we've been to take a look at the history of Wicca. How did it get to where it is today? where it's now commonplace even here in the United States. Now, what we saw is it started with the grandmother of Wicca, Margaret Murray. Then it went to the grandfather of Wicca with Gerald Gardner, who launched a branch of Wicca called Gardnerian Wicca. Then it went to uh, his cohort, uh, Doreen Valiente, the mother of Wicca. Then it goes to Raymond Buckland, the father of America Wicca, established on the East Coast and began to spread there. Then on the West Coast, at the same time, you got Sybil Leake, and she was basically a celebrity witch, and she popularized as well. So you got the east coast in america the west coast same time popularizing wicca and hers is she witnessed or witnessed i guess it, for witchcraft purposes unfortunately uh to celebrities and people high up and we saw that that's still being done today with people like tom brady's wife and the uh democrat i mean democrat party and and things of that nature have been infiltrated uh with occult practices and we're going to see that again tonight folks in another thread then we saw last time it went to alex sanders he's the so-called king of witches okay and boy he's a uh, i guess you could say he did start what was called Alexandrian Wicca, but in essence, his practice was kind of a, eclectic. As we saw before, an eclectic witch is one that just basically grabs a little here, a little bit there. Well, he, he did that too to develop this Alexandrian version. It was frankly rotten. Okay, I mean, they're all bad, but man, he got, remember we saw him on the video and he, you know, witches say, oh, we don't worship Satan, you know, with Lucifer. What'd he say on video on tape? He's worshiping Lucifer. He, we saw it on tape. Right. So so anyway, uh, but he combined it with not just, if you will, old fashioned witchcraft, but what was called the left hand path getting into the black magic. He, he combined it with Abraham magic and then he combines with Aleister Crowley like the others with sex magic. And then he comes out with his documentary literally right after the motion picture production code went away. And no longer was what was coming out of Hollywood was filtered. And right after that, you see a massive influx of the occult. And that's when his popularity, popularity began to take off. Now, it went from that to this lady, Lori Cabot. And she's still alive today, still unfortunately promoting witchcraft as we saw. Now, she dressed all in black. She decided to do that uh, ever since she had two bad relationships with men. She says, I'm going to be a witch. And her little thing was she decided she's going to 
pitch it as, oh, it's not witchcraft. People might freak out on that. She tried to make it. It's a science. It's an earth science, right? It's a, it's a, you know, that's all we're doing. It's for your good. And, you know, like is anyway, but it's still witchcraft. And then, of course, she's got a ton of books out there promoting it, unfortunately. She started a bunch of uh, witch shops, a couple different witch shops, and then an international event. Every year she has the witch's ball. Still to this day, people all over the world, unfortunately, attend that thing. And then, of course, she started what was called the Witches League, become an advocate, even running for mayor and things of that nature. Uh, and remember, Michael Dukakis uh, said that she's the official witch of Salem, like it's a good thing and all that stuff. So, And that's when it really began to take off. A lot of court cases began to be overturned. Uh, a lot of uh, rules began to lessen uh, in regards, even here in America, against witchcraft. And she's still doing it today as an advocate. Now, we're going to take a look at another way that it's being promoted still to this day. Uh, and that is through this. This is called Dianic Wicca. Okay, and what we're going to see, I've said this several times in our study so far, is Dianic Wicca basically comes straight out of and is basically synonymous. Now, you might say that's a, you think that's pretty s- strong right now, but wait till we get done. It's synonymous with the feminist movement. This is all about fe- the feminist movement. I've said this before. You're going to see the proof finally tonight, okay, in great detail, is come, it has come from witches. And the feminist movement is a smokescreen to get ladies involved into not just anti-God, anti-biblical teachings, but straight into witchcraft. Okay, we're going to see that tonight. But once again, Ron, do you think I had struggling efforts? I was just praying and fasting for, for several days in a row. I just, if I could only find a passage in the Bible that warns us against witchcraft. Do you think that was the reality, or do you think it was pretty easy to find? Not hard to find. It's all over the Bible, and that's true. Let's go to yet another passage from God saying, don't get involved in this stuff. Second Kings is our passage. Second Kings, okay, uh, verse uh, chapter 17, 7 through 20. Now, what we're going to see in this passage is you're going to see the reason why God exiled, okay, the northern and southern kingdoms, the 12 tribes. You had the 10 northern kingdoms, Israel, in the north, and they went into exile. Remember that? With the Assyrian exile. Then you had the southern two, Judah and Benjamin, that stayed around for a little bit longer, okay, but eventually they went into exile uh, with uh, the Babylon uh, exile, okay? But Second Kings chapter 17, and we're going to see tonight the reason why. Why did God take the Israelites, all of them eventually, and say, that's it, I've had enough of you. I'm sending you basically into exile. I'm taking everything away from you, right? Well, let's take a look, right? Verse 7 says this, all this took place. Why did this happen? Because the Israelites, what? They sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, remember in our history study, what was Egypt heavily involved with? Witchcraft, right? And they didn't let it go, unfortunately, right? They worshiped other gods and followed the practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced to them. The Israelites secretly did these things. Now, isn't that the, isn't that like the enemy. You think you're getting away with it as if God's blind and he can't see in the dark or he can't see because you closed the door, right? Okay, but he secretly, uh, but God sees everything, did these things against the Lord, their God, that were not right. From watch, well, what was that? What did they do? Well, here you go. From the watchtower to fortified city, basically everywhere, they built what? High places. What's that? That's where they would worship these false deities, okay? In their high places, okay? Uh, in, in their towns. They set up sacred stones and asherah poles on every high hill under every spreading tree. At every high place they burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that provoked the Lord to what? 
anger is displeased. Why? Because they worshiped idols, though the Lord had said, "All uh, you shall not do this, right? The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, turn from your what ways? Evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your fathers to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would what? They would not just not listen. They were what? I love this word. Stiff-necked. You don't ever want to be stiff-necked. If God tells you to do something, we've seen before, all his commands are for our good. Name one command in the scripture that's for our detriment. It rhymes with none. So if God says it, why don't you listen? And not just listen, but repeatedly refuse to listen. Just say, no. That's just what's, what they did. Okay. And they were stiff necked as their fathers who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he made with their fathers and the warnings he had given to them. They followed worthless idols and, and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. And, and they did the things the Lord had forbidden them to do. They forsook all the commands of the Lord their God and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an Asherah pole. They bowed down to all the star hosts. They worshiped Baal. They sacrificed sacrifice their sons and daughters in the fire. Remember that? With Molech, they would cast them alive into the burning arms of Molech, okay, uh, for expediency's sake, and it's, it's gross, and again, we saw in the cult, even in witchcraft, unfortunately, they kill children still to this day to try to gain favor. It's sick. They practiced divination and, and sorcery and sold themselves to do what? Evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to what? Anger. So, all that said, that's why, what was the response? So the Lord was very angry with Israel. He removed them from his presence, and not just them. Only the tribe of Judah was left, but then even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore, God rejected how many? All the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunders until he thrust them from his presence. I think it's, again, pretty blunt, but once again, not only why did God send both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, all, eventually, all the 12 tribes into exile, they lost everything. Why? God called it out. Specifically, okay, it wasn't just, well, they sinned. No, he, he calls it out. It's what? Occult stuff. False worship, demonic aspects, witchcraft, divination, sorcery. And he warned them again and again. Remember, he said there, he sent the prophets. The prophets didn't show up just one time. Hey, guys, you need to repent. Stop doing this. I mean, if you add up the years, it was a long time. God sent again and again. He's long-suffering. He's very patient. Would you please turn around? Stop doing this. And they still did it anyway. So you can't say, well, you didn't give us enough notice. Or you only gave me one day to respond over and over and even judah who still lasted later for quite a while but still it's like didn't you just see what happened to your brothers and yet you're still doing what they were stiff-necked and i hope we're not doing that today but here's my point if god didn't like it then and he sent his people into exile and they lost their nation their country do you think he likes it today no and dare i say i'm not saying we're israel don't get into that kind of interpretation but as a secondary application if our country continues to go down this route and glamorize and accept and promote witchcraft what do you think is going to happen to us same thing folks okay it's not good okay so we're going to take a look at another way that witchcraft unfortunately is being popularized and accepted and promoted today and believe it or not again folks it's not just leading people into bondage Okay, uh, I think it's a part of basically the destruction of our country. But again, that is with this one, Diana Wicca and the feminist movement. Okay, so let's take a look. Now, what I'm about to share with you 
is a short description of Diana Quicka. This is from the witches themselves. So you can't say, well, you're making an unfair comparison, Pastor Billy, saying that this is straight out of the feminist movement. No, they admit it. Okay, but let's take a look at just a short description of that. Dianic Witch Dianic Witches predominantly focus on feminism and the supremacy of the goddess. As it grew out of the women's movement in the United States, Dianic Witches are attuned to the political and social oppression of women, as well as the injustices they suffer within their gender. The hierarchical structure is quite lax and fluid while allowing for growth along one's own path. Originally created by Susanna Budapest in the 1970s, any coven derived from the original lineage remains female-only. Ah, keyword there is what? Female-only. Those bad, bad men guys. You are not allowed, okay? Now, tonight, real quick, we're only dealing with this uh, topic, Diana Quicka, Feminist Movement, because there's a lot here. We're going to cover four things. We're going to cover their basic beliefs and practices. Then we're going to look at one of their major leaders that basically started this combining witchcraft, feminism. It's all basically one, believe it or not. Then we're going to take a look at what does this have to do with future events. I think it comes into play, okay? And then where are we at today? Uh, with this movement, right? So let's take a look at their beliefs and practices of this thing called uh, Dianic Wicca. Uh, it's also, and this is from a secular, it's not just Dianic Wicca, they said, quote, and also known as Dianic Witchcraft. Uh, let me repeat that again. Witchcraft. Again, what, what's the misnomer out there? Oh, we're not in witchcraft. That's just, we just worship nature and we just appreciate, you know, we want to work against climate change. No, it's witchcraft. Okay, but this Dianic, it's a female-centered uh, goddess ritual uh, tradition, and it differs from most of Wicca because it's goddess only. It's not only females only, but they worship the female goddess only. Now, as we've seen before, and we'll get into Lord willing later, uh, much of the other Wiccan covens and branches of Wicca, it's duality. It's the male horn god that they worship and the female goddess. But this one, oh no, it's just the female. Female all the way. So that's a big thing. And again, it was uh, promoted uh, by uh, this lady right here. We'll get into her in a second in much greater detail. Uh, in, this, in about 1970, Susanna Budapest. That's not her real name. I'll get to her real name in a second. Uh, but she named it after the Roman goddess Diana. And they, again, worship just the goddess, but not just one. They worship any female goddess of any culture. But it's got to be the woman version, okay? And, and that's acceptable uh, with them. And the reason why is they believe in this movement that the goddess is the reason for the source of all living beings because it's women who give birth to babies. And last time I checked, we all came from a mom. And that's, you know, that's where the real power is. You know, it's that feminist message. And they just woven it in together with witchcraft, okay? Uh, and they practice uh, magic, and they meditate, they, they visualize, they do their spell work, especially, quote, in Dianic Wicca, for women only, the feminist uh, witchcraft, on healing themselves, quote, from the wounds of the patriarchy, male domination, and affirming their womanhood, right? So that's what they, they got to band together as ladies. They got to even, even do their witchcraft on each other to heal themselves from nasty, horrible men. Uh, they also have uh, uh, all these reenactments that they do in the rituals uh, from a, quote, female-centered standpoint, celebrating the female body and mourning society's abuses of women. And then, of course, they also do their magic rituals to enact change so that we can get rid of 
of this male-dominated influence. But that's what they do. Now, I like this, and at least they admitted it. Some, this is a direct quote, some say the manipulative spell work and hexing that goes on goes against the Wiccan reed. Remember that thing? You can do whatever you want, but just don't harm, harm no others. We'll, we'll get into that, Lord willing, probably in the next study, in their practices and beliefs. And we saw, remember we saw that's completely hypocritical. Number one, we saw that lady last week, if you were here, uh, what was she doing? She was showing people how to get back at the guy. Well, how's that harming none? And we've been told, we've been told that we are now on witch boards and they're purposely, because we're teaching on witchcraft here, that they're putting hexes and curses on us. Well, how's that not harming none? It's hypocritical. But at least the Dianic version admits it. In fact, what they say is, quote, Dianic witches do not consider hexing or binding of those who attack women to be wrong and going against the wicked read. Quote, they actively encourage it. You deserve it. So again, don't even live up to their own principles. Uh, like uh, other Wiccans, Dianic Wiccans, they have covens, they got festivals, they go around major holidays and sabbats and esbats, other things uh, other than sabbats is what an esbat is, rituals. And again, we'll get into that, Lord willing, later. Uh, they use uh, similar altar tools and rituals and bad vocabulary uh, as other Wiccans. But again, some of the nuances, it's just women, only the female goddess, and it's all about women, men are bad, and we're gonna get you. Okay, is really what it is. Now, and again, what does that sound like just at the outset? That's the feminist movement. Because guess that where the feminist movement came out of? This, as we'll see in a second. Now, when asked, quote, why men and gods are excluded, here's what they say. It's the natural law. As women fare, so fares the world. They give birth to children, and that's everybody. <laughs> if you lift up women, you lifted up humanity. So that's what they're basically saying. That's where the real power is. It should be us, not those men. Right? They go on to say this. Now they admit that this is where women's lib and the feminist movement came from. Witchcraft. Quote, Dianic Wicca developed from the women's liberation movement. And covens traditionally compare themselves to radical feminism. That's a direct quote. So I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to do an unfair comparison. They admit it themselves. In fact, here is a witch admitting that this is where the feminist movement came from. It came from witchcraft. Let's watch that. It really wasn't until 1893 with Matilda Jocelyn Gage, an American suffragist, she wrote a book called Woman, Church, and State, and it reframed the European witch hunts as actually a misogynistic attempt by the church and state to police female sexuality, women's bodies, women's reproductive function, and that is, to my knowledge, the first time the word witch was used in a positive way. And the funny thing about her is, is that her son-in-law was L. Frank Baum, who wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And so he was inspired by her writing to conceive of the witch as not only evil, but also good. So we have these polarities of the good witch and the bad witch, which then goes into, you know, the MGM film and sets the stage for the way we view witches forever, pretty much. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. And then you have, like, I married a witch in the 40s, was sort of a more lighthearted, there's, like, blonde witches, you know? They're, like, glamorous, and Bell Book and Candle in the late 50s, and then Bewitched in early 60s coincides right when Betty Friedan's putting out the feminine mystique. 
So Bewitched is kind of, uh, you know, talking about the plight of the white middle-class housewife, just like Ready for Dan's book. And the women's liberation movement is sort of, you know, bubbling under the surface in culture at the time. And Bewitched is also, I think a few episodes were written by uh, self-professed feminist Barbara Abaddon. So there's like actual, some real like early feminist leanings in there. And you know, the way she uses magic is like the way f early feminist thought could be conceived, like, you know, Samantha's husband Darren's really annoyed and always frustrated she's using this magical power. It's like something he can't access, he can't control, and it gives her you know, agency. And even though, you know, it's kind of like a fluffy, funny show, there are some like little radical currents in there that I think are picked up and, and expressed more explicitly in later films in the 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. You're a big dumbhead. <laughs> calling me names, man. My favorite representations of the witch are pretty recent, actually. The Witch by Robert Eggers was a fantastic horror film that really um, used period lighting and period text to inform how people viewed witches at the time. And then The Love Witch uh, by Anna Biller, which is uh, a sort of saturated, colorful, um, meditation on sex magic and female sexuality and sort of the world through the female gaze. What was in that drink you gave me? Oh, you'll find out soon enough, you bad, bad, evil man. But that's straight from a witch who's uh, doing that narration there. And what, what do they readily admit? This came straight out of, uh, of feminism. It's just a combining of the two is really what it is. It's a smokescreen to get people involved into, ladies involved into witchcraft. And again, notice how they used Hollywood to warm us up. As far back as the Wizard of Oz, the guy who was a relative of the lady who was a feminist, he decided what? Let's break the mold and not have witches always be bad, but what? Good witch, bad witch. And then it progressed from there. So once again, Hollywood's helping to promote it. Uh, but that's not all they're promoting. Dianix uh, Wicca also provide, uh, prides themselves uh, on the inclusion of lesbian and bisexual members. It is a goal within many of their covens to explore female sexuality and sensuality, quote, outside of male control. And many rituals functions uh, uh, affirm lesbian sexuality, making it a popular tradition for lesbians who've come out. And uh, some covens exclusively consist of same-sex oriented women. So basically, it's all women all the way around, and men are bad, men are, you're right. So uh, again, fits the, the feminist. Now, so that's kind of their beliefs and practices a little bit. Let's get into one of their biggest leaders, okay? One that is actually attributed with basically starting, and I'll just call it, I, I just, it's Diana Quicka, you call it all you, it's feminist witchcraft is what it is, okay? And it came from this lady here, as you can see, Susanna Budapest. Now, that's not her real name. Her real name is Susanna Amis Mokase. You can see why she chose Budapest. Now, part of the reason why she chose Budapest is because she's still alive today, by the way, like Lori Cabot we saw last time. Uh, she was born in Budapest, Hungary, in 1940. Uh, she writes about feminist spirituality. Now, can I tell you, when you see that in print or even today, women's spirituality, feminist spirituality, you know what that means? Witchcraft. That's all it means. So when you hear these ladies out there, it's feminist spirit. No, it's witchcraft. You're getting sucked into witchcraft. Okay. She writes about feminist spirituality uh, and uh, she, under the pen name of Susanna Budapest or a lot of times it's just Z uh, Budapest. Okay. Uh, just so you know, in case you ever see that in print. Uh, she began Dianic Wicca 
uh, on the winter solstice 1971 at a ceremony in Hollywood, California. She identified herself as a hereditary witch. She claimed to learn it from her mother. Uh, and uh, and uh, she's considered the mother of basically what's considered modern Dianic Wicca feminist witchcraft today. So, so she's basically underpinning. She also is the founder of what was called not just a coven, but the, quote, Susan B. Anthony Coven. What's that? That was a woman's movement, suffragette, whatever. But it tells you what they're combining. They're, they're one in the same. And this is their terms, not mine. Uh, that was founded in 1971. And again, she's also the founder and director of the, quote, Women's Spirituality Forum. So let's translate that accurately based on the facts. What is that? The Women's Witchcraft Forum. That's all it is, right? Uh, and, and she's also uh, was the lead of a cable TV show called 13th Heaven. She wrote a play called The Rise of the Fates, as in, you know, the... Uh, mythology thing with witches and stuff uh, in the mid 70s she also is a composer of several songs including we all come from the goddess uh, and uh, she lives near Santa Cruz California now uh, if you guys ever been in that area I've been there several different times uh, not only for uh, back in the day in pastors conferences uh, a couple different times uh, very wooded area right by the oceans beautiful but guess what goes on in those woods Unfortunately, a lot of this stuff, a lot of witchcraft and things of that nature, okay? Uh, in fact, I'm going to take us on a journey, and I'm sure you guys have got this memorized. But our very first study in witchcraft, I shared with you a video of this Susanna Budapest and her women's spirituality movement, okay? But now we've gone through, uh, this is part 15, I believe, of our study. Now when you see this again, okay, when she, you'll clearly understand now that you know the verbiage. When she says, the goddess is alive, you know who she's talking about now. When they talk about the circle and when they talk about the magic that they're creating, you know exactly what they're talking about. But let's take a look at that again. This is her in action getting late. Did they, oh, it's not witchcraft. It's just the woman's spirituality movement. No, it's witchcraft. Watch this. The women's movement today is being called the women's spirituality movement in great part. And that's because it's not just concentrating on areas of social and political reform, but it's looking hard and fast at spiritual reform. Women are gathering today in circles just as their 1960 counterparts did in consciousness-raising circles. But now they're not just knocking down that door to a man's world asking for entrance. Instead, they're looking at the myths, spiritual beliefs, religions, values, everything that runs our culture everything that feeds our souls. We're going to take a look at the women's spirituality movement, as it's been called, by the women participating in it who are weaving new stories of a returning goddess. They believe she's back on the planet, alive and well, and she can do a lot for you. The goddess is alive! Magic is afoot! The goddess is alive! Magic is afoot! What the goddess means to me is wholeness and peace. The goddess means to me my internal strength. She has come to me and shown me the beauty that is within myself. The goddess is my voice. She is my self-empowerment. She's my self-respect. As a result, my life has really undergone some major transformations, not only creatively, um, but in the pathway that I have now started to take. 
and I have uh, I have the works of Z Budapest to thank for that. The goddess is alive. Magic is the goddess is alive. Magic is the The goddess is alive. Magic is alive. The goddess is alive. Yeah, it's a lie, all right. Uh, you're probably trying to say it live. But, uh, okay, what was going on here? Uh, it's just a group of feminists getting together. Now, that's how it's being pitched. But now, knowing after 14 weeks what we've been through, what's really going on there? Who's the goddess? What's this circle that they're around, dancing around? Do you see the candles and things at the bottom there and that, that last scene there with the circle? The, the, it, it's, it's witchcraft, folks. That's all this is. Uh, Z Budapest, that's again her feminist witch name. Uh, again, she, her mother was a medium. Her grandmother was a herbalist and a healer. And the age of three, uh, she said she had her first psychic experience, and it was the supposed apparition of her grandmother at the time of her death. Well, we know that uh, dead people always come back and talk to people. That's what the TV shows show, right? Uh, no, what was that? It's called a familiar spirit. Uh, that's a demon. So uh, granted, it may have happened. I don't discount that. But that was not your grandmother, uh, Miss Budapest. That was a demon duping you, unfortunately. Okay, because the Bible is very clear. Uh, when you die, if you're a Christian, you go where? Heaven. Do you come back? Mm-mm. You go to hell. If a non-Christian, do you come back? No. There is no coming back and forth. So if something does appear, they can look like, sound like your loved one. But that's what we saw already before in our study, a familiar spirit that's a demon. Right. Uh, she also, from then on, in childhood, she began to play priestess and conducted her own witchcraft rituals. She began her practice as a solitary witch all by herself and worshipped the goddess at an altar she made at home. Well, she got married eventually, believe it or not, for a while to a guy named Tom. Uh, she moved to New York, but by the end, it ended in 1970. Uh-oh. So again, like Lori Cabot, she had two failed relationships with men. Uh, this lady has a failed relationship, and so guess what happens? Unfortunately, that becomes a catalyst uh, as I'm not, I don't know those guys. Maybe they were not very good guys. I don't know. That doesn't mean every guy is a bad guy. Okay. And, uh, but anyway, so she said that's it. And so she basically goes to California and she starts to develop this feminist witchcraft, this anti-man and only female uh, thing. So, uh, and uh, basically she did it to not only uh, uh, answer the opponents uh, to the feminist movement uh, that, uh, that would say that this feminist movement's against God. And so she tries to spiritualize it with witchcraft, say, oh no, this is a legitimate religion and things of that nature, blah, blah, blah. But it actually began to take off. And she began to hold sabbats when she moved to California. Uh, and uh, they began to get together, do the rituals that were looked upon as, quote, crushing the oppressive, aggressive male patriarchy system. So, okay. I uh, wish you had a better relationship. Uh, with a guy, so I don't know what's going on. But anyway, within nine years, think, well, that's kind of crazy. That's a fringe thing. Within nine years, the membership grew to 700 to covens across the country, began to spread, and then it began to explode even more. Uh, for 10 years, she led Sabbat's full moon circles, initiating priestesses, teaching women to, quote, bless each other and connect with the goddess through Mother Nature. Uh, we could do a whole study just on the environmental movement. We've dealt with that before in our final countdown Bible prophecy studies over the years. The environmental movement is another smokescreen to get people involved into uh, female goddess worship, Gaia worship, anything other than the biblical God. 
okay? Uh, you're going to say that you're going to save the planet. No, you're actually tricked into worshiping the planet and things of that nature and doing what God said not to do in the book of Romans. Remember, he said they didn't just reject him, even though there's proof enough for his existence. Remember that? Romans 1, 18, verse 4, okay? He says there that they deliberately worship created things rather than the creator, that's what all this pagan worship does. They worship trees, fleas, bees, all this, anything but God. Rocks, you know, themselves, okay? Uh, but anyway, it goes on. Uh, she opened up a shop called the Feminist Wicca. She published uh, this book, well, I guess was considered a breakthrough, which is a basic text on this version of Dianic Wicca, basically feminist witchcraft, okay? Later, they re-released it under the title of the Holy Book of Women's Mysteries. Again, but again, it's all just witchcraft stuff and basically uh, encourages people going in that direction. She was arrested in 1975, believe it or not, for giving a tarot reading to an undercover policewoman. Okay? But then later, that law prohibiting psychic readings was repealed. She developed herself as a speaker, a teacher, a media personality, author, psychic reader. She hosted a radio show in the Bay Area. And she still continues to this day. Uh, it's like Lori Cabot. She's still in existence, unfortunately going down this rebellious route. She continues to lead rituals, hosts her own cable television show. She's got a slew of other books that I'm not even going to mention. Uh, and they say, quote, the impact of Dianic Wicca is seen, listen, in the increase of not just literature out there about it, seducing women into it under the guise of feminism and female empowerment, but college courses that are devoted to the goddess and women's spirituality movement. Now, again, you can't have Christianity in schools or in colleges, but you can have witchcraft just because you called it the goddess or women's spirituality, and that's a legit class? That's witchcraft. That's all it is. So that gets allowed, but you can't have Christianity. And all you got to do is apparently change the name. Okay, and it's going on today. So that's what they're saying is getting indoctrinated. Well, guess what? You got young 20-something girls going in there, right? And uh, they're, they're being indoctrinated uh, into this version of witchcraft, right? Now, she's one big leader. There were other leaders that picked up on this in the feminist movement. But again, it came straight out of witchcraft. Let me give you another example of what was going on during this time, right? From of, of other witches promoting basically feminist witchcraft. Let's take a look. What other way are you going to smash the patriarchy than with some good old-fashioned witchcraft? Led by a woman named Robin Morgan, which is my personal favorite example of women's liberation gone weird. Which lives and laughs in every woman. Which is an all-woman everything, and that's everything with a capital E. It's theater, revolution, magic, terror, joy, garlic, flowers, spells. These women were angry, they were activists, and they really did not care what anyone thought of them. But they also did not have things like Twitter and Facebook to spread their message. So if they were going to get media attention, they couldn't make something go viral on the internet. So they had to make something go viral on the ground. Hence, the witches cast hexes and zaps 
You make your own rules. You are both free and beautiful. You can make yourself invisible or evident in how you choose to make your witch self known. Covens around the United States would get together, put on their witch gear, and go a-hexing. Double, double, war and rubble. Mess with women, you'll be in trouble. Their zaps, as they referred to their demonstrations, included things like chanting around the New York Federal Building, a sister justice lies chained and tied. We curse the ground on which she died. And who could forget the time when they hexed Wall Street financiers and the next day the Dow Jones dropped by five points. Witches have always been women who dared to be groovy, courageous, intelligent, non-conforming, explorative, curious, sexually liberated, and revolutionary. I forgot independent, also independent. And it's also worth noting that the Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from hell and all of their zaps and hexes and guerrilla theater was following on the heels of the very successful 1968 Miss America pageant, which you have probably heard about even if you don't realize that you were here about it because this gathering of feminists brought their bras and aprons and girdles and other artifacts of what they considered to be restrictive femininity and threw them into a trash can on the boardwalk and they wanted to light the whole thing on fire but the cops were like nah y'all and they were like okay witches were the first friendly heads and dealers the first birth control practitioners and abortionists feminist witches oh they're real all right so feminist witches is basically what was behind what? Again, admitted from another person, from another angle. The whole women's lib movement, including what did she mention? Who was really behind the abortion trend and things that, name every basic liberal belief. Where is it coming from? Witchcraft, okay, and they admit it. Now, it isn't just here in America. They literally want to take this global and let me quote to you uh, again back to uh, Susanna Budapest. She said, quote, male patriarchal monotheism, you know, the biblical God. She said, has worked to the detriment of women and it has glorified war and has permitted suffering for all. So her vision of the future, so what they're working towards, is that of peace and abundance. How? And expressing female values to dominate the world's consciousness, Right? Global goddess consciousness means acknowledging the oneness of all as children of one mother. Planet Earth, Mother Earth, female goddess. So what's their plan? What's their panacea to fix the ills of society? We got to get rid of this male patriarchal uh, deity uh, and we got to switch to a female deity and that's going to usher in this great time of utopia. Right? So that's as crazy as it sounds. That's what they're working towards. Now, that brings us to the future aspect. And a lot of people are wondering if this may have a little bit to do with uh, what the scripture talks about in Revelation 17. And the harlot system, the one world religious system, okay, that works with the Antichrist. And some would say that it's not by chance that it's represented as a female figure. Because maybe that's also what this one world religion is going to promote at that time in the seven year tribulation is go against this male patriarchal God. We need to switch to a female goddess. 
right? Let me read to you that text. It's Revelation 17, 3 through 6. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the desert. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and with the filth of her adulteries. The title was written on her forehead, Mystery Babylon the Great, the Mother of Prostitutes and the abomination of the earth and I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus so anybody who didn't go along with the system i.e. those who got saved after the rapture in the seven year tribulation literally it's a bloody mess okay she's going this system is going to go after them she was drunk with the blood of those people okay and do we see that in the occult practices and yeah unfortunately what okay uh, but in, in a nutshell this is representing the last days global harlot one world religious system that initially works with the antichrist up until the point when God judges her in the seven year tribulation he allows the antichrist to overtake her and uh, read in Revelation 17 and 18 and burns her with fire she gets judged but initially she's the one in charge because who's riding the beast she is she starts out in control Right, building this utopia with this political figure uh, out of a revived Roman Empire. Now, again, some people would say that maybe there's a little bit more here than just it's a female harlot, which is a, a biblical analogy that's used. When Israel would turn away from God and sell themselves to the nations of the world in false worship, that would be considered a, a harlot, a, a prostitute, which is typically a female figure. So that certainly fits. You know, it's a, a spiritual uh, fornication, spiritual prostitution, if you will. So there, there's that element. Some would say that maybe it's also, again, it's because part of this system is going to go the way of the female worship. And that's what makes it so uh, blasphemous as well. Uh, and then you start to think about what we've been studying and even Diana Wicca. You, and then look at around our world. Is our world ripe to literally switch from a male patriarchal God worship to a female goddess worship. Unfortunately, yes, in a multitude of angles. Let me just give you a couple of them real quick. Uh, first of all, here's a big one that makes up what I think the stats are close to uh, almost 2 billion or 1 point something billion Catholics around the world. Who do Catholics really worship? Mary. So the idea of worshiping some sort of a female deity, do you think they go along with it? Oh, I think they'd slide right into it. The Eastern religions have their yin-yang principle. It's not just male, it's female duality. So they could slide into it. Hinduism, as we saw before, remember the, the goddess Kali, the lady you would never want to take out for lunch? Remember that one? All right, the bloody, right? Well, she's just one of many female goddesses in Hinduism. That's another huge chunk of the planet right there. Do you think they would go along with that? Absolutely. Now, speaking of the Antichrist, many believe he comes out of a revived Roman Empire. Uh, Europe, speaking of the woman that rides the beast, this is crazy. We've dealt with this before. Got to share with you the pictures. The European Union has picked out their new symbol, and guess what it just happens to be? Isn't this nuts? It's a woman riding a beast. I mean, of all things for you to pick out, why do you have to do that? Right? And again, it's not just in statues, it's on their magazine, it's on their coinage, and things of that nature. And then again, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're going to build this utopia. We can all come together as one, all countries, all religions. And, and here's their pamphlet, Europe for All. 
As you can see, all the different religions are all there, and that's, that's the big plan. So, so it's not just a political thing. It's a religious thing as well. Okay, uh, and I, that's a star, but boy, if you just rotate that just a little bit, what do you got? Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that, based on what we saw, it wouldn't take much to adjust that, would it? Right? But that's kind of uh, interesting as well. Now, uh, that's not all. Uh, the New Age movement and the environmental movement, what do they worship? Mother Earth, okay, and things of that nature as well. And then just what we just saw tonight and just Wicca in general, right? What do they worship? The goddess. So if you look at it, much of our planet is already, especially with the help of witchcraft, but they're not the only ones, they're ripe for this switchover if that's in fact what's going on. In fact, dare I say, even the church is going along with this. We already saw that there's so-called people claiming to be Christians, and I'm sorry you're not, calling themselves Christian witches, right? So they'll go straight. We already saw that. We already had that study on that. So they'll go right into it. But this reminds me of what Peter said would happen in the church in the last days. Second Peter 2, 1 through 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be, and he's speaking to the church, false teachers among you. And here's what these guys are going to do. They're going to secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, and bring swift destruction upon themselves. And many will follow their shameful ways and bring the way of truth into disrepute. Okay? You're thinking, well, that couldn't happen. I mean, you're, you're not going to have churches promoting female work. God, We've already saw this before. Let me give you just a couple quick examples. Uh, these are people claiming to be Christians. I'm sorry, you believe what I'm about to share with you. You believe this? You're not a Christian. I'll just be blunt. And I think it's pretty apparent. But this is uh, one example. Mary Daly, who considers herself to be a Christian feminist. Now, what's that called? Rhymes with oxymoron, for those of you wondering. That's right. It's an oxymoron. What do the classic examples read of an oxymoron? Icy hot, peaceful war. Yummy chicken. It just doesn't exist. Right, let's move on. Christian feminists, and she says this about, quote, traditional Christianity. To put it bluntly, I pro propose that Christianity itself should be castrated. Yeah. Can you sense the anger? The primary focus of the Christian feminists is to bring an end to what they perceive as a male-dominated religion. And she continued, I am suggesting that the idea of salvation uniquely by a male savior perpetuates the problem of patriarchal oppression. Well, there is only one Savior, and he is male, and his name is Jesus. So if you want to get rid of that, that means you ain't trusting Jesus, and I'm sorry, you ain't saved. Right? Oh, it gets worse. I just checked. You can go check it out. It's still there today. It's even worse and more apparent than what I'm about to share with you. But if you want to do a little homework, go to herchurch.org and what is, watch being taught in a so-called church. Uh, Wednesday nights, they open their sanctuary for the Christian goddess rosary. Notice the combination, even with Catholicism. They say the exclusive emphasis of God as father supports a domination structure that oppresses and subordinates women. And they also encourage people to pray the, pray the Hail Goddess prayer that states, Hail Goddess, full of grace, blessed are you and blessed are the fruits of your womb, for you are the mother of us all. That's nuts. Okay, and John, uh, Jan Clanton, she's an author of God, a word for girls and boys, says masculine God language hinders many children from establishing relationships of trust with God. Well, that's who he is. In addition, calling God he, she says, causes boys to commit the sin of arrogance. And calling the supreme power of the universe he causes girls to commit the sin of devaluing themselves. And so for the sake of these little ones, we've got to change the way we talk about God. No, we don't. That's who he is, God the Father, God the Son. 
and God the Spirit. You don't like it? That's too bad. It ain't going to change it. He's God. Last time I checked, he makes up the rules. That's why he's called God. Okay? And as a loving father, I don't know what your relationships of men have been in the past. I'm sorry if they've been bad. But number one, not all guys are bad, but even if all guys were bad, God is a wonderful, loving father that you need to turn to even now. Okay? And, and be rescued from that. And then, as we saw before, still in the church, man, this thing is still being promoted, the shack. And, of course, it came out as a movie, as we saw in our New Age study. That thing is not just New Age and doctrine, but not once, but twice they present God in that so-called Christian movie as a what? A female. That's in the church, folks. So, dare I say, professing Christians. Now, if you're a professing Christian, you're going to be left behind at the rapture because you're not real. There's a lot of people who go to church services that profess to know Christ, but they, they don't belong to him. Uh, but you're going to see a lot of these people are going to march right into the seven-year tribulation. And if there is a switch to a female worship, deity worship, even so-called Christians in name only in the seven-year tribulation, all true Christians are gone through rapture, but in name only, they'll go along with this. It's already being promoted. Now, real quick, I shared uh, this with us before. But if you don't think that witches are taking control of churches, you're wrong. This is a, a little bit of an expert uh, excerpt that I got from a, a pastor warning about the influx of witchcraft coming into churches. And, and I quote this is from him. He said, the Christian church is now facing a head-on confrontation with the powers of darkness. The spiritual battle in which we're now engaged uh, has intensified in the last few years. The fact is, most sleepy Christians are so busy enjoying the world, they're oblivious to what's going on. And what's going on? The enemy is now not outside, they're in our midst. He said, the stark fact is that the forces of darkness are clothing themselves in human form. They're, listen, sitting in our congregation. He's talking about witches. Singing in choirs, working in various departments of the churches. Listen, some witches appear content to just sit in the congregations and, quote, mumble their incantations. Oh, look, they're speaking in tongues. They're doing their witchcraft in your services. Uh, while others go out of their way to gain acceptance in the church and work into positions of influence. One person got elected as the secretary of a Baptist church. Black witches see into the spirit world and they can walk into a church and immediately sum up the situation. They know who's real and who's not. And then they go to those who are not and manipulate them to cause destruction in the church. And this is what I say is going on. And I, I fully believe it too. Especially some of the things we've seen around here that we have experienced as a church over the years. I don't think it's all just by chance. Okay, I think there's some spiritual warfare. Uh, in fact, uh, they say that uh, uh, it would not be possible to pass a phony Christian off onto an experienced witch. Okay, they know if you're the real deal or not. Uh, in fact, they say a witch is usually quicker to pick if a person is a Christian then a Christian is to discern the fact that she's a witch. They use in, uh, lustful relationships in churches and exploit that for evil. They put spells on the minds of people so that they're always tired, they can't think properly. They afflict Christians with various illnesses. Powerful witches can sometimes fix their gaze on a person and charm that person, similar to an Indian snake charmer handling a cobra, and then get that person to do their bidding. We're talking in the church, not outside, not when you're out there in the public in so-called church services. 
the which will also buy the loyalty of people by giving them presents uh, uh, to increase uh, hold on the people. Witches can inflict a deep oppression. Quote, this oppression can be severe, so severe on the individual that they lose all desire to live and death is actually preferable. They can also, listen to this, they can cause a heavy oppressive atmosphere in the church meeting so that people feel tired and cannot concentrate on the message. Ever have that happen? I mean, obviously I'm blind and I can't see anything up here when I preach. (laughs) Nobody ever falls asleep. Or dare I say, you just went to the bathroom before you came in and you really can't wait another 15 minutes and it's everybody's up and moving and going and antsy and I mean, you, you, you were sitting fine. What's going on? I mean, you were all perky at the, at the beginning, but as soon as that sermon starts, <laughs> is it all just by chance? Or is there something going on? I'm not here to freak us out, but folks, we've got to realize that, listen, and this is what they do. Because listen, you can go to a church service and you might even have a pastor that's preaching the word of God. But if you don't pay attention or if there's so many stinking uh, uh, distractions that you're, maybe you're not falling asleep, but you're not, you, you're not going to get nothing week after week after week after week. It's being done deliberately. Right? They said this oppression can only be removed by the Lord's people praying against it. If they don't, that heavy atmosphere will remain. Uh, witches can send demons into churches to disrupt the services and prayer meetings. They can set Christians against each other by gossip and slander. They break up Christian marriages by seducing spouses into a compromising situation. They easily demoralize weak Christians, causing them to fall away. They display psychic abilities and deceive some Christians into thinking that their powers are God-given. That happens in the charismatic movement. Okay. And a powerful witch is able to create rash, irrational fear in a person. And um, uh, this can all be done, not just present, but even at a distance. He says, if this seems mind-boggling, we simply need to be reminded that things are changing rapidly. The whole structure of our society is in a state of spiritual upheaval. And he says this, he says, here's some keys to uh, notify that if you've got a witch in your midst in your congregation. Number one, they do not possess the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, etc. Sometimes, though not always, or they might have it hidden, they wear occult jewelry. They eyeball people by maintaining a fixed gaze. Uh, Some witches practice charming, and they do this with a continual smile. But they're trying to charm you. Okay? So if it lasts for more than 30 seconds at Sunrise Bible Church, smack them in love <laughs> and break that, I don't know, whatever. I don't, you could be a really happy Christian. Uh, hopefully that's the case. But that's, that's, again, another technique. Listen, they will invariably avoid true born-again Christians because, quote, real Christians are a threat to them. As mentioned earlier, they'll, they'll purchase gifts to work their way up in influence. And they'll also cultivate a wide circle of friends so that if something goes wrong, a lot of people come to their aid. Oh, they would never do that. They would never say that. Come on. They, and they say, quote, witches are liars. So you'll confront them on something and they'll lie straight to your face. But see, then they worked around and made friends with so many people. And they say, oh, I know that person. They would never do something like that. They would never say that. And then the person who the dirty deed was done to is made to look like a goober. 
And the whole time it was a ruse by not just an average Joe, somebody involved in witchcraft. And he concludes with this. He said, he, we have to understand the scriptures better. And if we did, we would surely would have expected this, what I just explained, which is in the occult in church services. He said, it, we would expect this in the last days. Why? Because that's what the Bible said would happen. But churches aren't even preaching on, let alone occult stuff, let alone Bible prophecy, so nobody knows. They don't even know what to look for. But large numbers of Christians have lost their biblical balance. They don't see any of this responsible for anything. Oh, they see corruption, crime, violence, immorality, all kinds of perversion. But they say it's just, oh, it's just human nature. It's just psychological aberrations. No, it's the occult causing a lot of this stuff. And he says this, the church in the last days has become so worldly and materialistic, it's no longer a real threat to its enemies. And he says, I constantly hear Christians talking about spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God. He said, but it would appear with most that their knowledge of these things is theoretical rather than experimental. They're familiar with the jargon, but that's as far as it goes. Now, if you want proof of this, I just had this sent to me this week from Becky Montgomery. I'm assuming it's somewhere here in Las Vegas. And she just happened to go to a Carl's Jr. this week. If you think that this stuff ain't spreading, okay, even into the church... Okay, watch this. This is the photo that she took of a lady in front of her, young, it looks like a young girl, okay, in line, in Carl's Jr. Okay, now let me zoom in a little bit. What's she proudly displaying in public, right? Let's summon demons, is what that says there. Little kid, I mean, just on back, like it's a big, you know, some people would wear, you know, hey, go Vegas, you know, go Vegas Knights, or hey, the Vegas Raiders. They're, what are they doing? Let's summon demons. Kids laying around in a pinning, What? Oh, and I don't know if you noticed it, but she was carrying something. Oh, you know, like we would carry around our Bible as Christians. What a concept. I hope we do that. That's a book of spells, not a Bible. Out in public. It's getting so commonplace today. Nobody's hiding nothing. I'm going to display my craft. Even at a fast food restaurant. This is what's going on, folks. And we need to wake up to this reality. And so you don't think that they're actually trying to come into the church? You're kidding yourself. How many times have we been disrupted in our church services? You think every, I'm not saying everyone, but do you really think none of them were a result of spiritual warfare? The conflicts that we've had over the years, the, the testings that we've gone through, the, the weird things that go, you really think it's all just natural? We don't have to be afraid because as true born again Christians, we pray, we seek God, we stand in Him. Greater is He that is in me than He in this world. We don't have to be afraid, but let's not be foolish and act like this doesn't go on. And that if it does start to go on, that we don't deal with it. The last worst thing you could ever do as a Christian, even in the church, is to know that there's conflicts going on and do nothing. Because it's not always natural. Somebody's trying to take you out specifically because you're doing the right thing. Like we don't be afraid, but let's not be foolish. Now, this is why they're saying as we close, they're now considering the days that we live in the season of the witch. Not the season of the Christian. Oh, we're, we're long gone. It's the season of the witch. Uh, and let me, let me read a couple things from that article and we'll close. Rapper Azalea Banks brought witchcraft back into the mainstream by tweeting, I really am a witch. But witches have been harnessing its power for decades, uh, expressing feminist ambitions. Banks joked that, quote, racism might end a lot sooner if black people could make their enemies sicken and die with a thought. Now, how do you get away with a statement like that? Right? But again, the, the racism as we saw before, the leftist mentality, all that stuff, where's it coming from? Witchcraft. 
Okay. Uh, she said, uh, it goes on to say, witchcraft stands for girl power. A popular Tumblr blog called Charmcore is run by three witch sisters, and they give magical advice and praise to female celebrities who are obviously witches. Teen Sensation Magazine, called Rookie, has published tarot tutorials, along with more standard issue feminist advice. Notice it's all blended together. Right? Another popular left-leaning blog for young queer women has an in-house tarot columnist. Quote, to reclaim the word witch is to reclaim our right as women to be powerful. To be a witch is to identify with millions of victims of bigotry and hatred and take on responsibility for shaping the world. They want to reshape it in the image of a female goddess worship and away from this male-dominated thing. Quote, and this is from the article. In the 1970s, the feminist movement began to investigate feminist spirituality and the goddess traditions of Europe and the Middle East. So what happened? They merged. It's witchcraft. And they say Wicca, with its focus on a goddess rather than a male god, was a natural fit for many feminist women interested in writing their own script. So it just all blends together. And not only did uh, women make feminist tarot cards in the 1970s, but you have feminist psychologists today who use goddess imagery in their so-called psychology when you go to them for counseling. So that's a whole nother can of worms. Watch out for secular psychology. They're going to try to suck you into occult practices as well. And then they even admit this. With spells and rituals, you can, quote, participate effectively in left-wing activism. Again, like we saw in the other study, getting in influx with the Democrat Party, who's behind the leftist mentality that's being promoted in our country today? Not just feminism. Feminism witchcraft. Now, and they say this, and we'll close. I think one of the biggest conspiracies, they say, of a male-dominated society is the suppression of female or feminine intuition, right? Now, with that said, now put this together, the feminist witchcraft part. This is why you see so many witches specifically who absolutely can't stand President Trump. They don't just pray against him as we saw before. But they admit that he doesn't just disagree with their leftist mentality and the abortion and all the other anti-God things that uh, the, the left uh, and frankly much of the Democrat movement now supports. But he, I know, is that, if that's God, tell him I love him. But, uh, uh, but they, it's not just that. It's not just because he disagrees with their leftist agenda. It's a double no-no because we all know that President Trump is a manly man. And the last thing you can have in witchcraft and feminist circles is a manly man who won't bow a knee to women. That's why they hate the guy. And that's why still to this day, they're praying against him, not praying against him, they're putting spells and hexes on him. But here they are admitting, admitting that that's why they hate him. Because he's a strong male figure, and you can't have that in witchcraft. Watch this. Witches have always been somewhat feminist. We have been fighting for the right to be treated correctly. Witches are what men like Donald Trump are afraid of. Witches. The word alone immediately conjures up certain images in our minds. But what does it really mean to be a witch today? Salem, Massachusetts 
a place known for trying and executing accused witches, is now affectionately called Witch City. And it seems that a growing number of young women and some men are being drawn to a brand of witchcraft. And it's political. I use the term witch to describe myself. I usually cite the acronym woman in total control of herself. I am the owner of House Witch Home and Healing in Salem, Massachusetts. I practice witchcraft. I pull tarot cards. I have crystals everywhere. I make shrines. I cast spells. I meditate. But it's sort of a political distinction, and I think it like speaks to my radical feminism. Both male and female witches are studying the craft under a longtime Salem witch and clairvoyant, Lorelei. You'll notice a significant difference in how the more traditional witches look and practice. I'm what you call a natural witch. I started at about 12. My mother practiced. The thing about the new word feminist, it's a great thing, but it's something that we've been doing for years. <laughs> After the election, especially, you know, I think what the witch is good for is being a force of divine feminine power. And witches are what men like Donald Trump are afraid of. So it's like this perfect symbol. Around Erica's store has formed a coven made up of astrologists, Reiki masters, and healers, including Erica's fiance, Melissa, who does Salem witch tours with a feminist focus. This isn't your grandmother's coven. It's youthful, light, and trendy. Though some are embracing the word, the term witch has been used to ignite fear and shame. It wasn't until early 20th century that women's magazines started portraying witches as beautiful and desirable. This trend continued with the success of the TV show Bewitched in the 60s. The 60s also brought us a feminist group, Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell, or witch, who protested patriarchy by carrying out witch-themed political stunts. In 1985, Wicca, an offshoot of witchcraft, was recognized as a religion by the United States. In recent years, we've seen witches and non-witches publicly reclaiming the title. The powerful are scared of this figure who has like traditionally been pretty powerless, but now that's not the case. Whether it's Trump or just you know all these like sexual assault cases, do you think that actually ends up creating more witches? Totally. The Me Too um, movement—that's what you're seeing. It, it, it's dark. It feels bad, and now this is the only way that we're going to start to heal it is by, you know, ripping this Band-Aid off and all coming together. And to me, that sounds like a coven of witches. As young people become less religious in this country, witches like Lorelai and Erica continue to see their covens grow. Just in time for the seven-year tribulation, Revelation 9, not only an increase of sorcery and witchcraft, pharmacaea, that goes along with witchcraft, but if, in fact, there is going to be a switch to a female deity worship, man, it's just going nuts, isn't it? Isn't it crazy? They go on to say this, and we'll close. Uh, in the coming months, tell me we're not in a spiritual battle. In the coming months, the results, of course, the election, the results will define the country for a generation. These are perilous times. Over the last four years, the Trump administration, much of what we hold dear has been threatened. The country is at a crossroads. Now the Supreme Court hangs in the balance. And with it, the future of abortion and voting rights and health care and climate policy are, and so much more is at stake. So they admit it, that that's what they believe, that's what they promote. 
but that President Trump is standing in the way in any Christian, dare I say, who would stand up for biblical values. They admit that we're in a spiritual war. We need to wake up. Is anybody already starting to feel it? We still got some time before the election. Remember what happened last election? It's heated up even more so, folks. And they admit that what is at stake here isn't just an election. It's the future direction of our country. Are we going to continue to at least, if you will, limp our way, hopefully more towards God? Or at least back that way? Or are we going to go headlong over the cliff, flat out into the occult? That's what's in the balance. Lord willing, next time uh, we're going to go towards the final leg of our study and we're going to get into the beliefs and the practices of Wicca. What do they do when they get together, when they gather together in their covens and the sabbats and the esbats and all that stuff and the spells and the ritual work and what is their belief? You know, you know, so we'll get into all that as we close out on our study. But let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not... How can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal, Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, Even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that's the same thing. Uh, It's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. 
and we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, For instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed. The judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, you even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done. You can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive his pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.